Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, everyone. I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate. And this is Work Party a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Work Party, the podcast that's part work, part party. Work Party celebrates a new generation of women and femmes who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. On this week's episode, we're sitting down with Amy Liu, founder and CEO of Tower 28, a skincare and makeup brand selling lip balms, mascaras, foundation serums, and more that are all designed for sensitive skin tones for every tone. I love that. A beauty world veteran, Amy worked at Smashbox, Kate Somerville, and Josie Marin Cosmetics before striking out on her own to start her award-winning, cult-followed, and makeup artist-beloved brand. And today, Amy joins us to share everything from her favorite hiring tips to what she's learned while formulating Tower 28's first product. Plus, we get into business details like her tech stack, scheduling strategies, and go-to personal development tools. So welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I've been a big fan of yours for such a long time. Oh, yay, and vice versa. So for anyone who's not familiar with Tower 28, tell us about the business. Yeah, so we are the only beauty brand that is 100% adherent to the National Eczema Association. And that really goes back to my own troubles growing up as having some, basically having really sensitive skin. So Mm -hmm. I've had eczema my entire adult life. Today, we make products that are not only clean, but safe for sensitive skin. We sell our products at Sephora, all U.S. and Canada. So 600 stores, Sephora at Kohl's, another 600 stores, Goop. Revolve Credo. Crushing it. (laughs) I love it so much. But let's talk about pre-Tower 28. Yeah. You worked at all these incredible skincare companies. What tools and lessons did you learn there that you brought with you into starting your own company? You know, I think the one that I think about probably the most is that because I've worked for a long time before I started doing my own thing, I feel like I gained a lot of skills in terms of understanding what it's like to be an employee. Mm. I think we often hear, I've worked for a lot of founders too, right? So I worked for 
Josie Marin. I worked for Kate Somerville, who, you know, eponymous brands. And I think one of the things there is like, I understand what it's like to be a founder now, but I also really understand what it's like to be an employee. Yeah, that's an amazing skill set to have. So you mentioned, you know, you had a lot of work experience. You started the brand at age 40, which is amazing. On Instagram, you were like, I have a small child. I have a mortgage. (laughs) Oh, I have three. (laughs) Yeah, you have three small children. I have three children, a husband and a dog. And you're 40. You've obviously had this amazing career and you're like, I'm going to take this insane leap and launch this company. Walk us through that because I think there's a lot of fear around launching a company. So I launched my company when I was like 23. I had nothing to lose. I was like, I don't know, throw caution to the wind. But the thought of doing it now feels like a little scary. So tell us about that decision-making process. So first of all, I'm a really risk-averse person, right? So I think like when people say, you know, I think we've kind of in business, a lot of people have romanticized or glamorized the idea of like starting something in your like garage and, yeah. you know, wearing a hoodie and then raising a bunch of money and going for it all and going for broke. And that wasn't my story. And that mm. wasn't my reality because one, I didn't think I had access to raising money like that. Like I, this was at a time when, I mean, yes, I saw like Glossier in a way and there were women doing things, but I just didn't consider myself part of that. Yeah, there was like 10 people. (laughs) Totally. But I also did just it it just it was so glamorized, too, that you didn't know it felt like they were celebrities or like, how did they do that? Like, I didn't know those people. And I was an employee. Right. Like I've had a really linear path. I went to business school. I've worked in the beauty industry. I worked my way up. And when I even looked at the beauty industry and the people who had started businesses like Josie Marin, like Kate Somerville, they were experts in their field, right? So I could understand like a makeup artist or a, you know, esthetician, an esthetician starting a line, but someone like me who just had experience as basically a worker bee, that was a little bit harder for me to understand. And to your point, I had golden handcuffs, right? Like I had three kids, I had a mortgage, I had the ability to make pretty good money Mm -hmm. and it was hard. It was hard to make the leap. And basically what really truly did happen was I sat down and I had lunch one day with a friend of mine I went to business school with. And him and I were the co-presidents of the Entrepreneurship Venture Management Association Club. And and when we graduated, he started a business. I didn't start a business. I went to go work for other people. Mm. And I kept telling myself, I'm going to learn on someone else's time. I'm going to get really good at this. One day I'm going to take the leap. And him and I had always kind of kept in touch, honestly, professionally. We weren't like best friends. Right. But I think throughout time, I had always told people, and I think that's why it's important for you to, I, part of manifestation to me is just like putting your dream out there. Like I had told people all the while, it took me 18 years before I started doing this, but I told people the whole time, like one day I'm going to do this, one day mm. I'm going to do this. And when him and I sat down, I was at a distinct point in my life and in my career where I was like, I'm ready for a shift. I want something where I have a lot of upside because I still wanted to be entrepreneurial. I just didn't think I could do it on my own. And I was like, I want upside. I want, you know, to have a real stake. I want to do something entrepreneurial. And he was like, when are you going to do it? You're like turning 40. I think I was 40, right? I think I raised when I was 39. I started when I was 40, launched. And he basically said to me, he's like, it's shit or get off the pot. Like you're getting older. If you don't do it now, I promise you, you'll never do it. Yeah. And I said to him, I was like, well, easy for you to say, I don't have money and I don't have a partner. And he was like, if you have money, you don't need a partner because you can hire people. And I was like, fine, I still don't have money. And he said, okay, well then what if I was, I didn't know it, but he had sold his company. And he was like, what if I was your first money in? And I was like, well, I don't even know how that works. Like, he's like, how much do you think you need? And I had actually just 
written a business plan for a different founder. And I was like, well, based on her business plan, you need 250000 to start. And he's like, if you think you need two fifty, you need five hundred. <laughs> so advice. I will give you two fifty if, and that was the ca- caveat. He's like, if you can go out and raise the other half in thirty days. Wow! And I was like, I have no idea how to raise money, right? So he was like, I'm going to give you terms, and you, you should walk them around and ask people for advice and see if these are good terms. Don't just take my word for it. And actually, that was the best advice he could have given me. Is I think instead of like going and asking people for money, asking them for advice. And that's what I genuinely did because I didn't know anything about fundraising. And so many people, when I went to go ask them for advice, would say, hey, even if I can't invest, maybe you should talk to this friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And then people came out of the woodwork, like former coworkers of, of mine, my neighbors, people were like, I heard you're raising. And it was small checks, honestly. In the beginning, like, and people would say, me and my brother want to come in together because somebody also gave me the advice that you should have like a minimum so you don't end up with like this giant cap table or like a thousand dollar check or whatever it is. And then you have to manage all these people. And so that was good advice. And I ended up getting people who would like, I had a $25,000 minimum, but I would have people who would come in together. Together. And pretty soon I had, I had it. And it was wild. So I've done that twice now. I've raised friends and family two times and I've raised a total of a million dollars. Amazing. So were the terms good when you asked around? <laughs> the terms were good. I think we did negotiate a little bit after I asked good, around. Good, yeah. Um, mostly on the valuation, which yeah. is such an arbitrary thing truly, in the very beginning. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. Still. Still. <laughs> <laughs> truly. So everyone's like, so what's the formula? I'm like, literally, it's this combination of like weird gut instinct market. Totally. Yeah. And then I think the other part of it, as you were saying, is like, is there a right time? I don't know that there's a right time. I think for me, I needed to raise money because I'm not the type of person who is able to, I've never had a balance on my credit card. My relationship with money is one where, you know, my parents were immigrants. Like I just was raised with this attitude of like, you don't owe people money. You don't. And I think it's, I meet people all the time who are like, I risked it all. I put everything in my credit card and I'm like, and it works out for them. And that's great. But like, there's I'm, a lot of people it doesn't. Yeah. yeah and, and some people totally. it does and some people it doesn't. Right. And we tend to hear the stories yeah. where it does work out. But I think for me, it was one of those things where I think so much of it is you have to do what works for you and your own psychology and your mm-hmm. mindset because risk is a real thing. Right. Like and I mean, it sounds like not, not that much of a thing, but like I pulled all my kids out of private school to do this because that costs a lot of money here yeah. in LA, right? So it's like we had to shift our lifestyle in a certain yeah. sense too. But yeah, I don't know. It's not for everybody. Yeah, but. no, I I love that because I think to your point, it has to be your own journey. Don't read all the headlines. Don't buy into 100%. everything of like, I need to have $10 million to launch my company. Like you need $250,000. You thought maybe 500, but yeah. you were like, that's what I need. And like, to get that, like you don't need to go the venture capital route. Like I think it's just so important to tell the stories of both VC-backed companies, 100%. self-funded backed companies, and angel-backed companies. You know, the friends and family, 99% of people who come to me are like, I want to raise money. I'm like, strategics, friends and family, don't go to venture capital because it just doesn't make sense for their business. So yeah. I think that's really, really impressive that you were able to raise, you know, a million dollars and are doing extremely well, like really don't have any plans to raise venture capital currently. But I think that's an amazing place to be. And it just goes to show that you can absolutely do that on your own and on your own terms. I think the other part of it actually is, for me, I found it really motivating too. So my my best friend is on our cap table, my old neighbor, like people that no I pressure. vacation yeah. <laughs> with. So there's both sides of the coin, right? Like one, 
early on, I felt an intense amount of pressure. But in some ways, I feel like that's really good for you, too, because there's accountability there, right? Because these are the people I go to dinner with. These are the people I vacation with. They're people I really care about. And I think when I tell this story, sometimes people assume I just have really rich friends. It's not true. Like one of the girls who used to be a coordinator of mine came to me and wanted to. And like she it's not like she had so much, but she just wanted to be part Part of it. And so I'm mindful of the fact that that this is this is real to me and it's real to them. But it's also really motivating for me because I feel like if you're going to go and make Frankly, I don't know if I would have run this far or this fast if I had taken money from some bank that I didn't know anyone or a nameless institution, because at the end of the day, like when I'm spending money, I feel like I'm spending my friend Janelle's money. I feel like I'm spending my money. Frankly, we put money into. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so, so important because there is something about venture backed founders, not all of them, that there is this sort of feeling of, okay, well, I have money now. So I'm just going to like throw a lot of money at all these different things. And sometimes that works really well. But other times you don't become good at the scrappiness and the grittiness. And the scrappiness is honestly, in a lot of ways, what makes you creative. Exactly. Because you have to do more with less. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And just as women in general, we have to do more with less. So I love that so, so much. Okay. So you get this money, you're launching this product. Here's another question I get a lot is like, I have this idea. How do I create a product? Like that feels insane to me. Obviously you had experience in the industry, but talk to us about like getting the product formulation, getting the brand done, like all of those different things. Like where did you start? So I think you have to know where you're going and then also be willing to be really flexible on how you get there, right? And what the actual destination is. So for me at the beginning, the thing that really did motivate me was I really wanted to make products that were clean. That was a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And then the safer, sensitive skin part was always a part of it. But my own story wasn't initially part of it, Mm. mostly because I didn't want to be forward facing in that way. And even if you look at our content today, and I, I am forward facing in a business way, but I'm not forward facing in a get ready with me way. Like I don't really do that part of it. Like I don't model for us. I don't do any of those types of things. And it's not where I feel comfortable or even what I feel like I'm good at. So I guess in terms of how to make the products, I think you have to figure out like who your customer is. You have to figure out what your USP is. Like what is your special sauce? What is a differentiator, especially in a market? I mean, I think honestly, every industry is crowded right now. True. But beauty is so, so crowded, right? So if you don't have a reason for people to purchase your product versus anyone else's, there's too much product in the Mm. world. There's so much consumerism. There's so much waste. Like, you really have to have a point of view when it comes to these things. So for me, my point of view was I wanted to make products that were clean, safer, sensitive skin, efficacious, and really did work. And then the last part of it was sustainable. Wow. Amazing. And so I started out that way. And then the story around it changed a little bit, meaning that like it morphed from one name to a different name. It went from, we started putting my actual story into it a little bit more because it was true. So all of our products are adherent to the National Eczema Association. That's something that we did from the very beginning because it was the way I was shopping products. I was looking at it for that purpose. In terms of finding a formulator, I think one of the best things I've done is just because I've worked in the same industry for a long time, I have a community in my industry and I knew who the players were. Mm. And so I was able to find a formulator pretty easily. And I was able to go to them and say, this is what I'm trying to make and this is what I'm trying to do. 
So that part wasn't super hard for me. Bringing it to market is a, it's hard to know. I think the harder part is probably having the instincts around like, is this the right thing in a really crowded market? And Mm -hmm. is what I'm doing good enough? And is it going to resonate with people? And for that, I think you just have to ask people. Yeah. Get lots of advice and feedback. So talk to me about the name Tower 28. What's the significance? So Tower 20, it's funny. So I I mentioned I started the company, actually, the name Tribe. And the idea was always that I had looked around at the different people I worked with. And I always loved my job. I always loved the people I worked with. Sometimes I didn't love workplace dynamics or like, you know, politics or those types of things. But I've always loved my job. And I remember being at dinner with a bunch of my friends in the industry. And I said, what if we all started a company together? And we were like, you could just work with your favorite people. And that was where the idea came from. I was like, we'll call it tribe. Like our tribe of people was very hard to trademark and there's tribe dynamics and a number of other things. And so that kind of went out the door. But then Tower 28, actually the true stories, I got a text one day from my friend Pam. So shout out to Pam. And she said, we're going to the beach why don't you meet me at Tower 28? And well, you know, because when people go to the beach, yeah, how do you find them? You still have to find each other somehow, even with phones, right? And so people where I live and on the west side of LA, a lot of times it's Tower 26 or Tower 28 because they have the walkways out to those places. And I've just always loved that Tower 28 is this place at the intersection of Santa Monica and Venice where you see every type of person. So I don't know if you know the area, but Santa Monica is like, I don't know tourists and a lot of families. And then if you look to the left and you look at Venice, it's like you can smell the weed in the air. You can (laughs) see people getting tattoos. You can the skateboards, the music, like it's just the drum circles. Like it's a totally different place. And I just have always loved that the beach is this place that everybody gets to go to enjoy a clean and healthy lifestyle. And that's what I wanted to do with our products. So our products are actually really intentionally pretty excessively priced. So we're what I like to say is we're like an entry level price point in a mm. prestige environment. So you can go shop at Sephora, but instead of having our lip gloss be like $26, it's like $16. Yeah. Amazing. In terms of, you mentioned earlier, like you asked a lot of people, obviously as a beauty brand, getting feedback is so important. What were some of the early pieces of feedback that really helped you that like changed the game for you? So actually the early pieces of feedback that probably helped me the most were the ones that I consciously didn't listen to. So I think the thing with feedback, and you probably understand this too, is you want to take in feedback, but at the same time, you have to know when to block it. 100%. Because if you let people into your energy space too much, I think it can really affect you mm-hmm. and you can't see clearly. Yeah. So really early on, I remember, so my brother is an architect. He knows a lot about design. He's very stylish in his own right. And I remember showing him my logo and he's like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> this is, no, you can't. Is it the logo you and have it's the now? logo oh we have God. today. I love it. And I remember being like, okay, okay. And then I thought like, is he my consumer? Right. He is not my consumer. Yeah. Right. So Yes, he reads Dual Magazine and he's, you yeah. know, but he's not my consumer. And For then sure. I That's took the like... time to ask people who I really thought were my consumer and I took that feedback. So I think it's... I love that. It's yes, you have to ask for feedback, but you have to also be conscious of who you're asking. I mean, all of us are only able to speak from our own perspectives, yeah. right? So you know, I can't change the fact that I'm in my 40s and I grew up in America, all these things, right? So that's the perspective I'm going to speak from. And so I I think about that even today. Like I really want my team to be one that has a voice in the room and really thoughtful and and we listen to everybody's opinions, but I also am thoughtful about how I filter through those opinions. 
Learning the ins and outs of the business world can seem really daunting, especially if you're a working mom, considering a career pivot or juggling multiple income streams. But women are resilient. And when given access to the resources to do so, we thrive. Take, for instance, the Georgia Tech Scheller College of Business, who is in the business of investing in women. When you enroll in Scheller's business education, you'll gain endless opportunities to grow and transform both personally and professionally. They're committed to helping women achieve their dreams, no matter your background, work experience, or future goals. I always tell the founders that I'm mentoring to never stop learning. It sounds so simple, but the more we open ourselves up to growth, the more equipped we become to reach our goals. And that could mean sitting down with a customer to take in their feedback or signing up for a course to learn that one thing you always felt was out of reach. Maybe it means signing up to receive your MBA. Well, here's your sign. Scheller's MBA career services are ranked in the top five in the world, five years running. In fact, the class of 2022 graduated with a 100% employment rate. Located in the heart of Atlanta's Tech Square, which is home to a high density of startups, corporate innovators, and researchers, Scheller's provides a phenomenal business education that allows its students to grow personally and professionally while also learning from the brightest minds in business and technology. If the only thing holding you back is your time, and believe me, I know how it can be in short supply these days, know this, Scheller offers full-time evening and executive MBA programs that are consistently ranked up in the top 20 in the nation. Their flexibility can match any situation you might have on your hands, so you can still prioritize your career growth alongside of this. If cost is a concern, Scheller also offers many scholarships for women. Making an investment in you and your MBA can be accessible something your dreams are deserving of. So if you're interested, visit gtmbawomen.com to learn more about Scheller's MBA programs. That's gtmbawomen.com. Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, host of Freckle Foodie and Friends podcast, which is now on Dear Media. Are you wondering what just happened to your life after having a baby or struggling with your mental health during postpartum? That was me just a few months ago. Are you working on healing your relationship with yourself, your body, and or food? Same. We are all on a journey to self-love and acceptance, and I'm right there with you. That's what Freckle Foodie and Friends is all about, reminding you that no matter what, you are not alone. Make sure to tune in for season five, launching with Dear Media on November 9th and subscribe to listen to new episodes every Wednesday morning. So let's actually talk about building a team. So you've been super outspoken about how much you love your team. Tell us about the very first person you hired and how you knew they were the right fit. So I had two girls start almost exactly at the same time. And in terms of how did I know they were the right fit, I think one of them, so I'll speak about both of them. So Jess on my team started out, she was actually my husband's co-worker's wife. And she had this dream of working in the beauty industry. And she had mentioned it to my husband at some sort of a work event. And he was like, well, wait a minute, maybe I could help you. And so we did a quick coffee and she came on. The thing about Jess that I knew was helpful is that she can teach herself Mm. anything. Like she's (laughs) one of those people who like, I mean, she gave me a gift really early on where she learned to like embroider on her own. And she watched YouTube videos to do it. Love it. So like she's like just that curious is something that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. And like a willingness to learn is huge. My other girl, Paulina, who started out in the very beginning, she's a deep makeup lover. Like she knows who every influencer is. She knows. And she is honestly the voice of to me, like she understands the demographic mm. that is different for me. Like, again, I'm in my 40s now and she's in her mid 20s. Right. So she was able to speak to compliment me in a different way. And I think something that I really so our values in our company are 
It's a weird acronym. It's Hawk. It's Hustle, Ownership, Cool, and Kaizen. And Kaizen is probably the one that we're talking about here. Like just that intention around getting better. Kaizen is actually a, do you know what that means? No. It's a Japanese term that's used often in operations. And it is the idea of continuous learning or continuous improvement. And mm. they use it in operations a lot because it's around how do we make like the line, try, like when if you're working on a line, yeah. how do we make it? better or faster or more efficient. Yeah. But it's also used the way that we're using Absolutely it. It's just improving. like we're just getting that. better at things. Like I don't expect things to be perfect, but I just want them to get better. Amazing. I love that so much. It's so important to have those ethos in place like yeah. as you're growing too, which you have been. So as you've been growing, how has your hiring process evolved? Like, is there any tips you have for candidates that are looking to get a job? Obviously, it's a tough job market right now. But what do you look for? Like, what's the secret sauce? So when we are looking. Yeah. So if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. OK, cool. Great. We're... Everyone apply. <laughs> We're hiring for a marketing coordinator, a social person, an influencer person and a VP of product development as well as in the field, we're looking for account executives. So yes, we are hiring. In terms of what I look for, I mean, on a very basic level, I really try to understand how you think. Mm -hmm. So like we started doing this thing this year, which we, or this last year, which we hadn't done before was, which is I try to give everyone a project. So we pay people $200 to do a project. Oh, nice. But I, like when they become a finalist in the round, and I actually want to see a work product. Like, how do you actually think? Because I think that's pretty important. Fit is really important to me. I really, I mean, obviously there's hierarchy because people have experience, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I really look for like a willingness to like pitch in, be flexible, fast moving. Things change often. Of course. In a small business, we have to wear a lot of different hats, as you can imagine. So I look for that. And then I just also look for Again, our values, cool. And to me, cool is just, it is valuing the same thing that we do in terms of diversity, in terms of all the things that we care about, but also just being a nice person, which sounds so, I don't trite to some degree, but it is a real thing. Like, I, it matters to me how we treat each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when you're spending so much time with people. It's yeah. Like, this is where, like 90% I mean, of your life I mean, we spend right so much of our time yeah. at work. Absolutely. Okay. So let's dive into some of the specifics. So, Let's talk about your tech stack. What are Tower 28's must-haves in terms of your tech stack? What's like a tool you're using every single day? Like what has really game-changed your business? I mean, in COVID, Zoom and Slack, yeah. there's nothing. Like, I mean, there's nothing we use more than Zoom and Slack as a team, I would say. And then Google, all of the the drive, the all the docs in, in Google, I would say. And then obviously in terms of tech stack, there's all the other things for our e-com, right? But Shopify, Alt, Claudio, all those types of yeah. things we're using. I think a lot of it is not so much even our tech stack that we're trying to figure out, but rather our discipline around our tech stack mm -hmm. and like using the same tools and how we're using them. And I think we've done like even some of the younger girls are doing a good job of teaching the older people how they Amen, sister. use yes. these things and get better at them and get the most efficiency out of them. I laugh at myself because I was, I mean, a lot of these things did not exist when I started creating Cultivate, you know, whatever, like 13, 10, 12 years ago. And so everything was like on Google, Dropbox, like everything like yeah. linked. And now they're like, oh, we can automate. We can automate that. Oh, you don't use Zapier to connect to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, girl, I don't have the yeah. time. What are we talking about? I mean, about? we have so many more. I'm like, we use Asana. Asana, use, yeah. I mean, we no, also... We, we, it was funny when we got our CEO at Create and Cultivate. But like, all of a sudden, it was Slack, Asana, you know, everything. And I was like, I'll be over here on my Google Drive if anyone yeah, needs yeah. me. <laughs> well, then we have like... And now I'm at the point where we're kind of like, do we have too many? We have Sprout. We have Tribe. Like, we have all of these... So many 
so many things to like ways to look at the business. But at the end of the day, it's just like good old fashioned communication. For sure. Yeah. And did you tell everybody that this is what's happening? Did you pass the ball? You know what I mean? Did you make sure that everybody knew? That's the thing. It's the human element, right? It's like you can have a billion tools, but unless there's like the human oversight and element in comms, like it's doesn't matter. And we make it, I mean, we make a physical product. So I still believe in going into the office and being together. So Mm, we're in the mm -hmm. office two days a week right now. And I think there's nothing that really replaces that like touch and feel of product as well as if you're in the office and you can overhear something happening or you can tag on someone else's idea. Totally. And it's fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So in 2022, Tower 28 launched Clean Beauty Summer School, a collective effort by founders and leaders in the beauty industry to support the growth of majority BIPOC-owned small clean beauty businesses. Tell us a little bit about this opportunity and what inspired it. So as I'm sure you'll remember in 2020, Black Lives Matter really came to a fever pitch, right? And I think all of us were many, hopefully many, many of us were really thinking about what we could do. Mm-hmm. And we as a team, I as a person posted the black square and it felt like, okay, and then what? And then one day I got an email through our general. So hey at tower28beauty.com and it was directed at me and it was like, hey, if you're going to give grants, Glossy just gave grants. If you're going to give grants out to BIPOC beauty founders, could I be one? And I thought it was interesting because I had literally just applied for a loan. So I was like, I'm probably not in a position to give out a grant. Right. However, which is the whole Instagram versus reality, right? Like right, people right. think totally. you, you're much larger than you are, people yeah. think you're like launched at Sephora and you're raining money, but it really wasn't the case. But I said to her, I was like, listen, I've worked in the industry for a long time. I can't give you money, but I can give you some of my time. Why don't I jump on a call with you and see if there's anything I can help you with? And that's what I did. And then afterwards, she wrote me this really lovely letter saying how helpful it was, and how much it meant to her. Mm-hmm. And because she lived in an area where she wasn't around a lot of other founders, which I think is also such a benefit of what you do with Create and Cultivate and this podcast. But she was like, it just means a lot to me to mm-hmm. have some access. Yeah. And so I thought, well, what else can I do uniquely that is specific to me that you know, since like if money isn't the thing I can do, I thought, well, working in the industry for a long time, I have a lot of friends Mm -hmm. in the same industry. And so I really genuinely think that what will change the direction of beauty in general, like the way that we see images of aspiration, the types of products that were offered, you have to change the people who are in the decision-making seat. And so I started this program called Clean Clean Beauty Summer School with, I just honestly texted friends and all of a sudden I had 10 teachers and the beginning of, so we have what the program is, is every year we ask people to apply. We get two to 300 founders who apply all BIPOC beauty founders. We take a class of 10 and those 10 people go through 10 classes where they learn about from founders or industry experts who teach them about things like influencers. So we had Deepika from Live Tinted who taught about influencer. Amazing. Right. So she is not only an influencer, but she's also a founder and she's a woman of color and she's teaching about influencer. Right. We had Kat Chen, who is the founder of Skylar, who was formerly the COO of Honest Company, and she's teaching about operations. Right. So there are all these amazing founders in my network who are able to teach classes as well as be mentors. Mm. So they have one on one as well. And at the end of it, there's a pitch day. And during the pitch day, there's a suite of prizes. So what in the beginning was New Voices Foundation in the very beginning started out with us and they did the $10,000 cash donation, nice. which is still the case. But now we have a whole suite of prizes, including it's like a startup pack for all the things you need as a founder. So it's a lawyer. It is um, 
a PR team, it is cash, it is headcount, which does kind of field education work. And so it's it's all these great things. And then they get to pitch to real buyers. So they pitch to Sephora, they pitch to Ulta, and then we always have like an institutional investor. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool. But I really think the the benefit of it is the class itself and the camaraderie it builds in the community. Yeah. And not even the pitch day to me is like, and I always say this to the the every year, but the the pitch day is like the cherry on top. It's not the actual prize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, getting that access is incredible. So who won last year? So it was Sandra Velasquez from Nopalera, which is an amazing Mexican botanicals bath and body line. They sell at Credo. I think they also sell at Nordstrom as amazing. But she's an amazing Latin founder, but also a real advocate for her heritage. And also she just she's an amazing woman. So many cool businesses out there. And she was just on Shark Tank, too. Oh, amazing. I love it. I feel like all the ladies are on Shark Tank lately. Like, I feel like so we had Sabina from Joe and then yeah. Melanie from Gia. I'm like, it's it's the ladies' time on Twitter. Totally. Time, so and I even like the people who have not won, I mean, because I, I think that's important too. Like Christina from 54 Thrones was yeah. in our first year and she didn't win. But then now she's going into Sephora. Yeah. She was on it's Shark Tank. It's a marketing Tank. tool as much as it is like to get the investment. You know what I mean? I mean, they also negotiate. I couldn't imagine just to go into Shark Tank talk for a second. <laughs> I couldn't imagine having to be able to make that decision on the spot. I mean, they must have a minimum in their head. Like, okay, this is like the most we're going to give away in terms of equity. This is the smallest amount we're going to get. But then they do these creative, weird deals. I'm like, I need a minute. I would have to phone a friend. Yeah, they're like, yeah, exactly. They're like, you'll get 5% on everything thereafter of 30 years. And I'm like, like, they must pause this at some point because I'm like. I think they do. I think I've been told that it actually, what you see in like condensed into like, I don't know, 10 minutes minutes is, is actually like hours. Hours. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean. Just going on Shark Tank is an honor at this point and a great marketing tool for your business. Okay, so let's wrap with some sentence finishers. Best advice for people who are scared to start a business? I think there is no such thing as ready. And I think that what that is for you is just going to be very specific, but you should really think about your own psychology and what it means to accept risk. Yeah, absolutely. The best hiring tip is? I think to hire people that really want to go on the journey with you. I really think it's important to hire people who believe in what you believe and can see the vision and the mission and really believe in it. The way I take care of myself after a stressful day of work. I take a long shower, which is probably not good for me to say since we're in California and in a drought, but I I do like a good warm shower. And the aspect of my work that feels most like a party is the team. I mean, I don't, I'm sure you mentioned this earlier and I think it was actually, it went viral on TikTok, but like we do these retreats and we took the team last year to, to Italy. We took my whole team to Italy because when we went to Tuscany to go. I'm like, what were the positions you're hiring for? I Uh, I might be But the thought around, and part of that is a a product of COVID because I think COVID was one where I felt like we were just missing that connection, but also like as somebody who grew up in a really different time, some of my best friends today are people that I worked with. Yep. And I just felt like that was something that people were missing. So we started doing these retreats and we've done everything from my house and Palm Springs to Tuscany. And I think it is a little bit different every time, but the intention is always the same. It's like, and, and you'll understand this, but as you grow, you have these moments where you're like, is what we're doing working? Mm-hmm. We need, let's pull back. Like, are we actually communicating the right way? And like, even on a really basic level, 
what is your job? Yeah. Like, does everybody know what their Role job clarity. is and yeah. clarity? And like, who's responsible for this as opposed to executing it, as opposed to con- being consulted on it? So a lot of it feels kind of basic, but I think it's really helpful to come out of your day to day and just pause and have those moments and to remember that we're all people and just enjoy being together because at the end of the day, it makes it a lot more fun and a lot easier to have communication if you you know each other. Amazing. Well, as said earlier, she is hiring, so <laughs> sounds awesome. Can you tell everyone that's listening where they can find more information on you and Tower 28 online? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Amy Lou A-M-Y-L-I-U underscore T28. And then I'm our us as a company. We're at Tower 28 Beauty, spelled T-O-W-E-R 28 Beauty. And on TikTok, by the way. And we're at Sephora. We're at Credo. We're at Goop, Colt, and Revolve wherever you want. Amazing. Thanks so much for coming on Work Party. Thanks so much for having me. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.